Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. Today's episode is brought to us by BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. It's exactly what you would write in the sand if you were stuck on an island, right? H-E-L-P, help. And then you see the helicopter go by, you start waving. BetterHelp is that helicopter. They are the ones that will save you. They will pick you up. Is there something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? I know for me, it's been a sense of feeling inadequate or uh, afraid of expressing my needs. Because like, if I express my needs and they say no and they find out what I really want, they're going to leave and I'll be abandoned and I have to start all over again. And, and also just comparing myself to other people. Every time I compare, I get on social media and I see the, the amazing life that other people are living, it just makes me want to just curl up and stop doing everything that I'm doing. But BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. Now, I understand when you are in uh, despair and, and you are spiraling, you just feel like, the last thing I want to do was talk to anybody, but it's the best thing to do. When, when I was in trouble, when I couldn't see my way through the, the, the thickness, through the darkness, it was talking to someone, especially a professional therapist that guided me through. I still have a therapist. I have not only my own therapist, but I have a couple's therapist. So me and my girlfriend have a therapist. Like therapy, talking to someone is so beneficial but it doesn't feel like it when you're in the midst of it. Now, I want you to remember that it's not a crisis line. Better help is not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. Better help is not the right solution for you if you have thoughts of hurting yourself or others. There is a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses, plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room with, as with traditional therapy. You could kick back at the crib at your house in Sukasa and get your therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they can make it easy and Free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling. And here's the kicker, ladies and gents. Financial aid is available. That's right. But you, ain't, you don't have to go to college. College ain't the only one doling out financial aid. BetterHelp has financial aid because BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily, right? Check them out. Visit BetterHelp.com forward slash Leo. That's right. I got a slash before the name. Go to BetterHelp.com forward slash Leo. That's Better H-E-L-P and join the over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. Special offer. Here's a special offer. Check this out. I just, 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 just came in just now. Special offer for my Before You Kill Yourself listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash Leo. That's right. Just for tuning in, just for being a, a friend, uh, an ally, uh, 
just somebody who I could just, who I enjoy spending my time with, 10% off your first month if you go to betterhelp.com forward slash Leo. Let's go. You said you're, do you live in Augusta, Georgia, or you're from Augusta, Georgia? No, I'm from Augusta. Okay, so that, isn't that where they do the uh, Masters tournament for golf? Yes. Mm-hmm. Are you big in, in golfing? Is that your thing, or are you tired of golf? You like, I can't, you had to leave because you got, did you get hit with a golf? What happened? Why you leave? No, I don't do sports at all. I don't know anything about sports. Oh, really? In general. Yeah, not into sports at all. So, no no siblings then? No, no brothers? Yes, I have a brother, yes. And a younger then, brother. Okay. And then is he is he in is anybody in the family in the golf? I'm just I, you know, you're so close. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, my my father's a musician, so I'm I'm very drawn to just the arts. Never really got in. I mean, I ran track in middle school. That was probably as close as I got, but as far as far as following sports or having a favorite team, that's not never been my thing. Yoga, meditation, that, that's been that's been the thing for you just breathing in the corner well <laughs> you know as far as in my adult life yes you know as you know growing up I was attracted to the arts to movement uh, I was in ballet for five years at the performing arts school that I graduated from I was in mixed chorus and concert choir so that's really where I spent most of my time and like I said I did run track in middle school. I'm a, very attracted to movement modalities for myself, not necessarily by way of sports. And then I joined the military. I was in the army for, I served for five years, really enjoyed running, ruck marching and all that great stuff, doing physical activities and obstacle courses that I've since retired. Uh, so yoga wasn't really a far stretch. My, my life is about movement. You know, one of the things I, I love that you you use is the word attracted to, you know, mm-hmm. because I, I don't know if I've heard too many people use it in that way. I, I usually say, like, one of the things I like or I'm into, but I like that you say mm-hmm. it. Is there an intention b- behind using the word attracted? Uh, it is for me because uh you know, sometimes when you mention, and I like to say movement modalities, and I always ask people when they come and take a yoga class, do you have a movement background? And they say, what do you mean? Because sometimes when you label a thing, a particular sport, a particular industry, it lends itself to you being an athlete or you being specialized in that area. And that's not really the requirement of of yoga or just living. It's just about being attracted to what makes you feel good, what brings you freedom, what makes you feel alive. And so I've been I've been attracted to movement, to expressing myself through running, through walking, through dance. Uh, that's where I find that I feel most alive. Uh, you know, there's a book called Body Keeps the Score. I don't know if you've read it. but Yes, it, I've read it. Oh, oh you sound excited. Fantastic. Because, <laughs> you know, I, I didn't read it. <laughs> but okay. uh, but there's a part in the book where, uh, you know, uh, he, he talks about how it's through movement that we can really heal a lot of the, the traumas uh, that we hold in our body. Uh, there's a reason why it's called Body Keeps the Score, because we 
we hold the traumas in different in our arms or legs or stomach or head, things like that. What uh, for you resonated uh, about the book for, or from the book? I mean, there's so many, you know, famous quotes and interesting insight in the book. One of the one of the quotes that I like, uh, it's not a direct quote, but, you know, there are issues in the tissues. And it's just a reminder to us that when we have experiences, it's not just memories in, you know, in the mind, in the brain, but the body also remembers. We have to remember this is the same body that we've had that has grown and developed with us since childhood. So all those different experiences, whether they be good experiences or bad experiences, the body experienced it all. And um, it remembers it remembers and it can easily be trig- triggered. Um, even though you feel fine in your mind, your body has uh, a response to certain things. So uh, I, I love the the insight in the book. It, it really brings together that and, and a reminder to us all that we are a mind, body, spirit. We're not just a physical body that, you know, lifts weights and it's all about muscle and just being strong and having endurance. But uh, it's all connected. The body is connected to the mind. The mind is connected to the spirit, and that's how we experience life through through those uh, through those three parts of ourselves. Absolutely, I, I always feel better after I um, incur some type of movement modality, whether it's going for a walk, or foam rolling, or mm-hmm. uh, stretching, or or just uh, it's something about sit. I found lately I, 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 I've been loving sitting on the stairs. I know that's not really a movement, but there's mm-hmm. something nostalgic uh, and soothing about just sitting on stairs, whether it's inside or outside. Uh, wow, I, I that's very interesting. Well, how so? Well, you know, I, I think that what's interesting is that you have an awareness about it that it takes you to a place of nostalgia. Some people, they don't even have a sense of awareness about why they like doing a particular thing. It's it's just they don't even take the time to just kind of ponder why. Why sitting in a rocking chair brings me comfort? Why, when I walk this path, do I feel a certain way? And that that's what you're practicing. I think, it, you know, is mindfulness. Well, it was something that was brought to my attention uh, via a dietitian, actually, because we were talking about food. And she was saying sometimes people uh, eat uh, emotionally because of, now she had another word for emotional. I forget what it is. But basically, she was saying that sometimes we eat out of stress or boredom, but sometimes we eat foods out of nostalgia, like yes. foods that remind us of I our I do childhood. that all the time. Oh, you do? Yes. I do that all the time. Were you aware <laughs> that it was nostalgia or yes. were you just thinking like, yes. what? All right, what's your nostalgia food? Don't, no, don't my, my, my nostalgia is, um, is fish. Uh, we just uh, there is a a fish place, a seafood place that opened not too far from me. And one of the uh, my mom would cook every day. The only day that we would be able to not have a home cooked meal. Of course, you know, when you're a kid, uh, I'll just speak from my own experience. I always wanted to eat out. Uh, so one of the two days that we could eat out was on Friday and Saturday. Friday was fish Friday. Um, and then Saturday, uh, we could have a choice of pizza or something else. So, um, 
I tend to have fish on Friday. Um, my grandmother was from Mississippi. I would spend summers there, full summers, <laughs> uh, picking all types of different things. But one of the things that she would also fish, uh, fix was fish and blackberries that we would actually have to go out and pick, bring back to her, and she would cook. So um, having fish, particularly on Friday, brings me a sense of comfort and when times were easier, when there was a sense of innocence. And it just takes me back and just makes me smile. Uh, I love that. Now, I, I would <laughs> assume that... Um, well, for me, my nostalgia is uh, food is ice cream. And oh, okay. uh, it's because I was, when I was in kindergarten, I was walking home and I was stung by a bee right up under my eye. And I remember I, I came home and uh, fortunately I'm not allergic to bee stings, but we got the, the sting out of there and then we sat on the porch and ate ice cream oh, um, nice. outside the house. So I always go back to ice cream, but I've just been recently... Um, coming back to the porch for our stairs just mm -hmm. for, you know, I, I guess I didn't even uh, think about the two together specifically like that. But um, so I would imagine if, you know, those foods bring you back to a time of comfort, a time of, of peace and joy, and then uh, to read the book, The Body Keeps the Score, at some point that, that peace, that comfort was disrupted. Was there some trauma that happened in your childhood? No, not, not necessarily any particular trauma. You know, for me, when I think about um, trauma in my own life, it, it, what shape, you know, shattered my norm was when I had my first health challenge being in the military, uh, being diagnosed with osteoarthritis. And with a little bit of information I've already shared with you, you can imagine that it totally left me a little unhinged, seeing that I am someone that loves to move. So when that was challenged, I had never really faced anything like that before. You know, aside from, you know, maybe a sprained ankle here and there. I think I broke my leg in middle school, but nothing that I wasn't able to recover from um, those childhood injuries. But this was different. This was this was not a this was not a childhood injury. I was a I was an adult and I really leaned in heavily in my twenties into being able to move to uh, looking back on it, relieve stress, um, being able to just release. And so when I wasn't able to, to do that and when I would move, there was an enormous amount of pain. Uh, I began to um, be challenged, you know, with my mental health. Uh, I went through bouts of depression. I went through um, various stages of anger, of uh, times when I would just ignore the pain and kind of, uh, as we said, military muscle through it just to prove that I could do it, but still dealing with a whole lot of pain. And uh, so that that was really traumatic for me. Um, I still deal with, you know, pain, not to that degree as I as I did then. And it wasn't. And, and I think what was so frightening for me was one, I was so young. I was in my 20s. Two, I wasn't in a car accident. I didn't have a fall. There, there was no accident. It's just something that kind of came out of the blue, and it totally shift the way that I perceive my life, my ability, and how I was going to be able to move forward. You know, you're, I, can, I can definitely relate when something hits us out the blue versus there being some external cause. It's, it seems like it's more challenging to process it. 
Yes. Right. It's like if I was in a car accident and then all of a sudden my, my neck or back isn't or my body's not functioning correctly. At least I have something to attribute it to. Whereas if if there's no incident, then it's like, did I do something wrong? Like you, you exactly. Start, yeah. It's like yeah. Did it, maybe I shouldn't have ate so late that night or, you know, mm-hmm. like it, it just becomes ridiculous. What uh, what did they say is the common source? Because this is something that infl- afflicts millions of Americans. Mm-hmm. What what do they you know, what do they say usually uh, attributes to this? Well, they they really you know they really didn't know. They suggested that I talk to my mom, get family history. Of course, I called my mom. Like, does anybody have this? And as soon as they told me, I, I just I, I I couldn't even really connect with what they were saying because I was like, this is something that old people get. Like, I'm twenty. I, I may have been like twenty six at the time, twenty five, twenty six, and I I just really didn't understand why I was going through this because at that point. I felt like I was in really good physical uh, shape, uh, probably the best shape of my life, you know, at that point. Um, but they did say that, you know, be, uh, when I went into the military, I was, you know, I was little. I had to actually gain weight to go into the army. Um, and so they just, you know, what they settled with was probably over time, um, even though I was not retired from the military, I was only in for five years that just the, you know, just the the chronic uh, carrying weight, ruck marching, running uh, over a long period of time uh, had an effect on my spine and, and my support system. And that's pretty much what they could attribute it to, uh, something that I loved and enjoyed doing. And that didn't make it any easier for them to say that to me because uh, doing those things made me feel strong. It made me feel empowered. So to say that that was the cause uh, was definitely uh, something that was hard to process. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, about 50 million Americans are affected by some type of chronic pain, uh, mm-hmm. which is why you see like the, the, the number of uh, opioid uh, deaths going up, uh, you know, with the painkillers. Now, so did, did you take painkillers in the beginning or what what was what were the initial uh, uh, treatment? What was the initial treatment for it? And then. What did you mm-hmm. start doing? Uh, what are you currently doing now for it? Yeah, so in the beginning, it was kind of standard protocol. I can remember, you know, at that time I was stationed at Fort Rucker in Alabama, and basically they sent me to physical therapy, you know, the standard go to physical therapy, um, take Motrin, uh, relax, you know. Uh, put your feet up. And that's not really something that I knew how to do in my 20s. So that didn't happen. (laughs) But I did go to physical therapy. And I went through the number of sessions that I was supposed to go through. And, you know, it would provide a a little bit of relief. But my life, my body was different. It it wasn't the way that it was before. Um, I wasn't able to just kind of shake the pain off and keep it moving. This was something that was kind of staying with me a lot longer than I had experienced before. So it was definitely very different. And then eventually um, my doctor, my primary care doctor at Fort Rucker recommended that I try yoga. And so we had free yoga classes on base, which I attended. And I always have to be honest when I I tell people the story that I, I did go, I did try the yoga, I tried it and I hated it. I went through to three classes And, you know, the teacher was talking really nice and slow and the movements were slow. And although I was someone that was attracted to movement, it was not attractive to me in that particular format 
because I had stuff to do and I did not, I was not able to connect. Why do I have to move slowly in this way in order to get better? It just didn't make sense to me at that time in my 20s. And so after about three classes, I stopped going. And for a number of years, I would probably say the next three or four years, I dealt with the pain. I, you know, I separated from the military. I was working full time in grad school. And to tell you, those two years were like a blur. I was just barely making it. I wasn't eating well. I wasn't dealing with the trauma well, but yet I still had goals and things to pursue. And it was just a mess. <laughs> it, was, it was literally just a mess. And it wasn't until after I finally had attained my goal and got my master's degree that I began to take my health a little bit more seriously. And at that time, I had moved to D.C. and said, let me... Um, Fort Rucker did plant a seed. And so I said, let me try that yoga thing one more time. Maybe, maybe it is something to it. And, you know, I went to a yoga studio. This was, uh, primarily people that did look like me, uh, where I felt a little bit more comfortable and, um, and the heavens rained down and I fell in love with it. Um, almost three, three, four years later from the first time that I tried it, which just lets people know. And I always tell people, you know, just because you don't like something at first, live a little longer, as the old people used to say. Just keep on living and things will change. And I saw it in a different way. Of course, I had a different teacher, a different environment. But I also came to the practice with uh, an enormous amount of stress, pain and experience that I had lived with prior to when it first happened. So I was a little bit more open on the back end. <laughs> Was the was the stress uh, was that initiated by the chronic pain, or yes. was there okay? Yeah, yeah, I would imagine it's like not not being because I when I hurt my neck and hurt my knee, um, I have six bulging discs in my neck, and uh, they, I have mm -hmm. a torn meniscus in the right knee, so I can't move the way that I'm accustomed uh, to moving. Also, and right. uh, yoga has uh, been I've incorporated it into my movement modality as, uh, as I have, uh, swimming, swimming was something I oh, never good. really grown up with, but, uh, swimming is very, uh, meditative, uh, you know, getting to mm -hmm. that state of flow. And, uh, so yeah, it's, it, even though it's, um, I, it's separated me from what I used to do. It's encouraged me and opened me up to other ways of moving my body. That you know, in the long term is going to help me live longer because because like you said, it, it felt good to be able to run around and do the obstacle course and stuff. But the amount of wear and tear on your joints, everybody thinks about muscles, right. but we mm -hmm. all but none of us really think about the joints uh, that are involved with all that jumping up and down and, and running yes. around. Um, yes. The the other thing I wanted to unpack, too, was you mentioned, you know, uh, Yoga, the, 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 the umpteenth time around stuck because you found an environment uh, of people who look like you and, and uh, it, it felt better. And I, I think like a lot of people underestimate the importance of finding an environment that you feel comfortable in versus thinking you're uncomfortable because of you or who you are. It's, it's, always, right. it's always a mix. It's an interaction. But if you're, if you're, for the listeners out there, if you are taking a, a class 
or a session or you're working with somebody, you're in a relationship where you're not comfortable, yeah, partly it's you, but it's also partly the the other people or the surroundings. It's just the city, it's the class, it's the it's whatever it yes. is. And so to and, and not to say drop everything and change everything overnight, but slowly plan out and, and keep trying. Basically that's that's the message here is keep trying until you find a place where you feel comfortable. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that because there was something about the practice that I knew it was beneficial. You know, it just it wasn't something that the experience I had at Fort Rucker was something that I wasn't attracted to. I didn't want to go back. But the seed was planted that there was something to this. And I had to come to a point in my life where I was able to actually slow down, do a little bit of research and be more attentive to if this is something that you really want to do. Um, you need to research it and, and find a place versus just, um, you know, like a lot of us do. It was on base. It was convenient. It was free. Uh, the second second time around when I went to this particular studio, I had done my research. So I knew what kind of classes they had. I saw the website. I saw the pictures, the owner. So I was going into an environment that was well-researched. Now, I, I, for me, my first experience with yoga, I hated it also. Cause, okay. <laughs> cause when I, cause it was, <laughs> it was what, cause I didn't do any research. I, I wasn't, I didn't have that opportunity the first time uh, when I was playing college football, our football coach thought it'd be a great idea to bring in one yoga instructor for all 70 or 80 of us football players and uh, just to teach us yoga for a day. And mm-hmm. we both know you're not going to get yoga in a day, you know, and right. especially with one instructor for 70 uh, or 80 guys, uh, we're, you know, I mean, we did our best, but I just remember hating every moment of that experience because, you know, when you're training for football, you're not usually the most flexible, uh, right. you know, yes. person. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I'll never do that again. And then, um, and then after the injury, I was like, all right, okay, what do I, <laughs> what's left? Oh, I can't do this. I, okay. <laughs> but then I discovered that there are different types of yoga. I, I think yes. that's the thing that most of the public isn't educated on. Are, can you talk to us about the type of yoga for people who have chronic pain and then kind of the other types of yoga? Yeah, I'm I'm excited to say that yoga has definitely evolved since the time when I first started my practice, which was back in 2009. Uh, that's that's actually when I started practicing. And right now, I think there's, you know, definitely a lot of information. You would definitely, you know, need to do your own research. But there's been so much new research that really lends itself to people that want to practice yoga, not to, you know, quote unquote, get a yoga booty or to get more flexible. But for the people that are in chronic pain, back pain, uh, those that are dealing with health crisis that they are recovering, maybe from cancer or other health challenges, there is now a lot of specific information uh, and even certification specifically for yoga for arthritis, uh, yoga for chronic pain, breath work for um, for reducing stress, a lot more things that are available now versus when I first started. When I first started, I actually 
uh, gravitated, you're not going to be surprised when I say this, I gravitated towards power yoga, of course. So even though I wasn't running anymore, I was still drawn to the strength of a movement. Uh, that that's what I, that's what challenges me. So, uh, I had my stint with power yoga and then I found hot yoga and fell in love with hot yoga. Um, but the problem is sometimes we come to the yoga practice and we are drawn to the asanas, the actual postures, and not necessarily thinking about it being the science of yoga, the mind-body connection, and that it's not about bringing this fitness modality or this fitness mindset to the mat because what eventually happened was I was pushing myself so hard in yoga, I actually injured myself in a yoga class. Yes, it is possible to injure yourself in yoga. I pulled both hamstrings. And from that experience, I definitely learned a lot. I definitely learned how to slow it down. And why was I doing the yoga? Was I trying to replace something that I had lost? And so from that standpoint, I began to learn a lot about restorative yoga and yin yoga, the the slower, the, the more gentler side of yoga that still has amazing benefits for those that are dealing with stress and chronic pain. And so I began to practice yin yoga, restorative yoga, gentle yoga, not moving so vigorously, not trying to push myself into poses and make my body into different shapes. And that's how I've been able to to sustain a yoga practice because I have allowed it to evolve with my life. Um, and it's, it's been a beautiful uh, evolution. But many people, they will stick to one particular type of yoga. They love it. I know people that have been practicing hot yoga for years, and they don't want to practice any other type of yoga, and that's fine. Uh, but most of the public is most familiar with hatha yoga. Hatha yoga uh, basically focuses on the postures um, and in a slow pace and also connecting the breath with the postures is known as vinyasa yoga, which can also be termed power yoga, where you inhale on one movement and exhale on the next movement. And it's almost like dance and motion. That's what I that's why I was drawn to vinyasa yoga. It's it's almost like a rhythmic dance on the mat. Um, you can make it as vigorous or you can make it as gentle as you like. However, I was drawn to the more vigorous type. Uh, but here I am at 45 and still have a good practice. It may not necessarily be the strongest practice, but I feel good in my body. I feel good in my joints. And many times my practice simply consists of breathing, uh, being able to just pause and, and do breath work for 10 minutes. And so I've been able to allow, as I mentioned before, my practice to evolve with me and what I need and not be so stringent and put myself in the box as I did before in my younger days. That space between being diagnosed with osteoarthritis and you finally getting into a, a yoga practice that works for you, all the emotions that were going through you from the anger, the, the, the part of, partly probably denial, I would imagine. How yes. did you manage uh, in that time? Be, because you didn't have the practice at that time, how did you manage the anger? What did you do with the denial? What did you do with all those emotions? Did you did you go to therapy? How did you handle that? At that time, I was not going to therapy. Um, and what a, a lot of, you know, some I can only speak from my own experience. I have a, a lineage of, of women that um, you serve. 
<laughs> you, you, you find another way to continue to move in the rhythm of doing. So I put myself in school. So I, I made sure that I kept my mind busy to distract from the physical pain that I was dealing with. And for a time it works, but o- over time it doesn't work. And you just find yourself in, uh, in projects after projects, helping other people to do things. And so that was, uh, that, that was my self-imposed form of therapy, um, always being busy. I, I get that. There is a there's yeah. a time for that. You know, mindfulness mm-hmm. uh, mindfulness is good. There's a time to just act, right? You just gotta go. Mm-hmm. And then and we could check in uh with ourselves later on. What'd you get your master's in? Uh human resources administration. And what'd you plan on doing with that? You said you had a list of goals. So were you trying to be HR at Apple or country? <laughs> like what, what was you no, trying to take it was, over? It, it was, no, it was just, it was very similar work that I had done in the military. So I went, I was, um, I did a lot of training in the military. So when, when I got out, I found a component of a degree that incorporated training and it happened to be in the field of HR. So I actually worked for the federal government, do a lot of supervisory trainings, um, something that uh, I really enjoy and passionate about, even in my own uh, wellness business. I love to to train and share information with people. I love that. Now, why the military? I mean, I, and, and, and I'm not asking this because you're you're a woman. Even if you were a man, I'd be like, why the military? Uh, yeah. What 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 led you? Is there a family history? There, there is a slight family history, but, you know, sometimes we we choose things uh, or things choose us due to, you know, a crisis. At that point in my life, I was not in a healthy relationship and felt like I needed a fresh start. And the military was a fresh start. I was not one of those kids. You know, I already mentioned I went to a performing arts high school, so we didn't have JROTC or anything like that. My dad did serve in Vietnam, but once again, going back, and this is just from my my time in meditation, just learning more about myself and looking back at my life and how I have certain patterns and certain behaviors and certain things that I'm attracted to and drawn to. And so although middle school, high school, military was never on my mind, when it was time for that fresh start, I was drawn to a particular institution and format. I'm a, I'm a re, I call myself a recovering type A personality. So I'm very black and white. And I pretty much, my husband says this all the time, I'm either all in or I'm all out. I'm, I'm not really in the middle. So I figured the fresh start <laughs> and being able to travel and also um, school money uh, was, was also a determining factor. I went into the military and true to form, um, I stuck to my goals. My leadership really wanted me to re-enlist and stay in. And and um, I just had a plan. I was going to go in, learn all that I could, um, and continue to go to school. So I did complete my undergrad degree while I was still active duty. I had great leadership that allowed me to go to school, um, to sometimes even leave work early um, to go to school. And when it came time to re-enlist, uh, I made the decision that um, the military was not a career move. It was a strategic move to just um, 
have a fresh start on life. And as soon as I got out, I think it wasn't six months later, I was in grad school using my GI Bill. So that's kind of the story behind that. Wow. It sounds like you had, um, I don't want to say great experience, but like an effective experience uh, in the military. And because I've, I've heard war stories about, yeah, I thought they were going to pay for my school, but then that didn't really work out. It, it seemed like it <laughs> <laughs> or like the school that they were going to pay for, you know, wasn't the, the school, mm-hmm. you know, uh, in line with uh, what I wanted. But I'm assuming you did your research once again before you got in mm-hmm. and, and and had it mapped out. Um, I would imagine having a father who served in Vietnam mm-hmm. uh on some level had uh, factored in. And and I guess my question is, did he struggle from PTSD? My father has definitely had his struggles. And, you know, even, you know, even to this day, he uh, doesn't talk a whole lot about it. Um, but he has it admitted, you know, as he's gotten older that, you know, yes, he may have suffered um, with some PTSD uh, coming out of Vietnam. And, um, it's so interesting that I never saw the military on my agenda, but it has shaped me in in such a way that uh, my husband is retired Navy and my brother also uh, is a veteran. He served in the Air Force for 12 years. So, um, you know, everybody has a different experience in the military. I also think is really it really goes back to what is your why? Why did you go in? I I talked to friends of mine that are veterans and they're like, I didn't know that. Or I I wasn't provided with that, but I keep going back to, I had great leadership. I knew exactly what I was going in for. I wasn't, you know, I didn't deter from that. Um, And when I got out, I knew what benefits, you know, were available to me. I knew about disability and, you know, if I had any type of ailments, how to complete the paperwork. I just stayed on target (laughs) because I knew that it wasn't a career for me. It it wasn't um, it, it was a decision to give me a fresh start to come back to being a civilian. So. Uh, I'm yeah. glad you shared that. And, uh, and for the listeners out there, I'm, I'm asking these detailed questions because I know I have so many people who uh, are thinking about joining the military or have joined and gotten out and aren't receiving the benefits that they should. So I, I really mm-hmm. just want to encourage the listeners to ask more questions, to be yes. more curious, to do your homework, because there are so many resources out there for you that I'm sure you're, you're unaware of, and you just have to ask more questions and, and, and be more uh, intentional about uh, what, what your path is and, and what your why is. Absolutely. So going back to, to yoga and the mind-body connection and figuring out your why, uh, I, I love that you mentioned that you, know, you, you did pull two hamstrings because a lot of people... We're talking about, oh, (laughs) yoga is the best thing. Like anything that's wrong with you, you you break up, divorce, it'll fix your credit (laughs) score. Like they act like yoga is is the cure all. You're like, no, I pulled two hamstrings at the same. I was trying to do too much. And and so for for what I've learned to do is uh, when I when I do take yoga class is I get there a little early and I let the instructor know that uh, I've that I'm new to yoga, even mm-hmm. though I've been doing it forever, 
I always, anytime I have a, a new instructor, because I travel a lot, so I'll do yoga at different places. Okay. I always go in as if it's my first day. I'll be like, I, I don't really know what I'm doing. Can you uh, coach me or adjust mm-hmm. me? Or I had this pain here. What should I do for that? And the reason why I do that is because you can, we can very easily forget the basics if you've True. been doing something for so long. And I also find that I always end up learning something new, you know, mm-hmm. a, a new stretch, a new pose or uh, or what the source of my pain can be. So I, I, I want to encourage everyone listening in. If you no matter what class you're taking, whether it's yoga or CrossFit or whatever it is, uh, always going with a question. Hey, I got a, I got a pain over there. Is there a stretch? Is there an exercise? What could it be so that you're you're constantly learning? You're, you're constantly uh, refreshing uh, the well of, of knowledge. Uh, and mm-hmm. so you're not just a robot in there. Um, can you talk to us about breath work? That's the, I think that's the hardest thing for yeah, people to bre- learn how to do. It, it is because it seems so simple. And it's like, you're going to do a class on this? Are you going to do a workshop on this? Like, how, how long can we literally breathe? Well, we're breathing each and every day unconsciously. And breath work is a, more so about conscious breathing. There, there are different, so many different uh, types of techniques, but breath work has really gained a lot of popularity over the past few years as being a standalone class. Here in the D.C. metro area, you can actually find breath work workshops and classes where there's no movement other than the movement of the breath. Um, and those, those classes typically are uh, focused on education. So the instructor is definitely going to give you some information about breath work, the type of technique that you're going to do, and the reason why, why you're doing that particular technique. It's usually done uh, with music. And there's a period of time where the instructor will lead you into breath work, um, and you just kind of like work it out breathing. It's, it can be a very cathartic experience. It can be very energizing, a lot of releasing. And so for those people that feel like, oh, you know, yoga is not my thing, but I am interested in learning how to release or I have, you know, respiratory issues, problems breathing. When I get stressed, my breath is compromised. Those types of people may be attracted to it. Um, and so I, I suggest, you know, if you do find yourself kind of wanting to learn more about breath work, what it's all about, definitely do your research, find a teacher, find a workshop that, you know, focuses on what you're trying to work out. Um, and, and I think it'll be a great experience. Uh, breath work is really just about that. It's about breathing. It's about you can go to a breath workshop that focuses on rest and relaxation. You can go to one that is all about releasing past trauma and hurt. That can be, you know, you definitely want to be ready for something like that because you can be triggered, a rain of of emotions can come out. And so you can find yourself in a very vulnerable state. And if you're not ready for that, it can be a bit jarring. So breath work is actually, in my opinion, even more intimate than yoga. Uh, especially when you're sharing space with other people and you're being vulnerable. 
with breath work on those exhales and even those inhales, people give that breath sound, whatever they're releasing. So hearing people breathe, hearing different sounds, uh, you just definitely want to be ready for. And I always preference, you know, when people say they're going to go venture out into some type of class or whatever, just just a little bit of research didn't hurt anyone because you don't want to go into a situation like, whoa, I didn't know we were going to have to do this or I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm ready for that, you know? And I think the the biggest lesson is when people say they want to go to hot yoga and I'm like, did you do your research first? And they're like, oh no, I'm going to be fine. And they go to the class and they go to uh, what is, what was known as Bikram yoga, where it is, you know, 105 with 30, 40% humidity. Typically years ago, they didn't let you leave class. Like the door was locked. And so people found themselves in this situation like, oh my gosh, I did not expect this. So you always want to do a little research so that you have some type of understanding of what the expectation of the class is. Absolutely. Like, look at those Yelp reviews. You know, Mind Body Online <laughs> right. is a great app for real. Yes. Uh, yeah. And, and you know, one of the things that I do, too, is I'll type in a place uh, on Google and then I'll type in news to see if the place was in the news lately for whatever reason. Oh, that's um, a great tip. But yeah, so I always always type in a thing in the news, like what 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 was going on over there, um, mm-hmm. and yeah, because you're right. With uh, I took hot, it, the place was called Bikram Yoga, mm-hmm. um, and then they had to change it to a hot yoga, or whatever. Um, and you're right, they weren't letting people out of class, <laughs> and they wouldn't let you drink water. Right. She's like, you'll drink water. I I thought the, I was like, I thought this was a, a loving, compassionate, safe. <laughs> I thought this was like a, uh, I thought this was like the embassy. You know what I'm saying? I thought like, (laughs) I can't tell you how many people have, have just, they've had, they had no clue what they were walking into. So anyone that even, they just say hot something, I, I try to give them my spill because there's nothing worse than going in that hot yoga space and you feel trapped and you're like, what did I just pay for? Um, from, you know, them not having music. And this is from a traditional standpoint. I don't know how it is now because I don't have a high, a consistent hot yoga practice. But when I was going, I was going to a traditional Bikram studio. So there's no music. There's no talking. Only the instructor is speaking. Um, you know, that heat is set. The humidity is set. Um, you drink water, sips of water. When they tell you, you can drink sips of water. And when you're feeling nauseated or whatever, they'll let you sit down. Remember, this was my experience. I know that some hot yoga studios are very different now. So, Um, And if you wanted to leave, you were highly discouraged not to leave, to sit there, to, to work it out. And when you get yourself together to join the class, everybody's not ready for that. No, and especially I seen, after I have seen people argue with the teacher. I've seen people bolt out of the class. I've <laughs> seen people sit there and cry because they didn't know what to do. They felt trapped. I've seen so many responses, and th- those are the people that they were told that hot yoga was a great class. You can lose weight, and it was a great idea, but you didn't do your research. <laughs> That's right, and, and now people uh, feel emboldened, especially after the uh, documentary had been released. Yes, about they was like, I'm definitely gonna walk out whenever I feel like I'm not. Feel you know, like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do yeah. your do your research. Um, but you're right, like hot yoga felt so good, but I, I realized I had to to pace myself. Like I'm I'm good with hot yes. yoga like once a week. I can't do that 
every day. Every it's addictive. Day. Yeah. It's addictive though. You're like, oh, I'm gonna feel. It really is, especially to, you know, you you sound someone that kind of speaks my language, like a recovering type A personality. Oh, I fell in love with that. That was my jam for a long time. Um, but I but I realized that, you know, it wasn't something that I, I didn't want to be in that space all the time. And so it, it slowly waned and it began to evolve into, you know, a gentle practice and, and other things. But what I love so much about yoga is that I've had an opportunity to explore different lineages, different types of yoga, and I've gotten from it what I needed, and I'm able to just float on to something else. <laughs> I love that. Now, I also want to get into, because I'm a huge fan of Yoga Nidra. Anybody oh, out there yeah. struggling with sleep, like Yoga Nidra, talk about my <laughs> jam. That's my jam right there. It's like, feel your feet, feel the back. I'm like, the back yeah. of my neck? Yeah, it's, it's a little creepy too, but uh, but it puts me to sleep. Can you talk about Yoga Nidra? Yoga Nidra is actually trending. Like it's 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 very similar to breath work, where people are like really rediscovering these ancient practices that you would typically only get in a yoga class. And now they're becoming more standalone, which is a great thing because those standalone classes draws a different demographic. So if you happen to always be someone that's like, oh, I'm not flexible enough, I'm not the right size, or I'm too old to do yoga, now you have these components of yoga that you could only get in a class that are now standalone workshops and standalone classes. So yoga nidra is an ancient practice that really means yoga sleep. And um, I think it's like an hour class can be equivalent to like two or three hours sleep or some, something around there. And we're finding that people that have issues with sleeping, those that have problems with uh, just resting and, you know, always on 10 all the time and don't know how to slow down, that yoga nidra is something that really has been beneficial and helpful for people. And I can tell you just here in the area that I'm in, I have a good friend that teaches yoga nidra classes and her classes are always packed. You couldn't even imagine probably years ago where you're going to pay money to just go and lay down and go to sleep and for the person just to talk to you? Yes, people are paying for that. <laughs> the, the, the body scan, the, the language that's used during the yoga nidras, the, the music is very soothing and relaxing. And it's really helping people to get the rest and the sleep that they really need that they may otherwise couldn't get on their own. The, the sleep industry is blowing up right now. It is, yeah. Uh, especially because everybody kids at the house, and they like, man, help me <laughs> escape. But the yoga nidra, uh, I, I listen to, I meditate to it uh, every night before, or mm -hmm. most nights before bed, because uh, it does that body scan where it, yes. it helps you notice parts of your body. And what I love about the yoga nidra is that it also helps me regulate my emotions uh, in terms mm -hmm. of I used to just be like oh I'm angry now I'm becoming uh, uh, uh being more intentional about saying I'm noticing parts of me are angry or, or feel anger I'm noticing uh, yes. I feel anger in my mm -hmm. stomach I I I, mm -hmm. I know I'm noticing I feel anger in my in my hands they're, they're clenched and it's helped me to realize that I can at always at, I'm always at all times experiencing different levels of emotions, right? Mm -hmm. Where my, my stomach might feel tense and angry, but my, 
my chest is fine. The back of my neck is okay. Right. Right. Can you talk about that? Yeah, I, I think that that is, oh, that's the beauty of, of mindfulness and, and these, these practices. It helps you to really notice what you're experiencing, what you're feeling. I can't tell you the number of people that, you know, when, when I talk to people in the healthcare profession, they say, you know, people come to the doctor's office or physical therapy and you ask them, where does it hurt? And they really can't even, they don't even sometimes have the language to really describe what is the hurt. Is it sharp? Is it painful? Is it in your gut? Is it in your hip? And so I find that these practices are really helpful with people giving language and exploring their bodies in a way that they better understand themselves and body scans are a great way to do that because even though you may drift off to sleep, you know, you're kind of waking up in the middle of the, yo- the yoga nidra and, you know, it's like, you know, bring attention to your right thumb and you actually feel your right thumb. Like how many of us do that in the course of the day? Are we checking on our fingers, our toes, the back of our neck, the back of our our hands. Um, only in yoga nidra can you explore the entire body in a way that allows you to that freedom, that freedom to explore with someone there to support you and guide you in a way that is non-judgmental. Uh, that's the beauty of it. You're, you're not judging anything. You're simply noticing. Oh, I am angry there. Huh? What's that about? <laughs> it's 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 a it's a it's a beautiful discovery process. That's the way that I would characterize yoga nidra. Absolutely, yeah. I've been listening to uh, bedtime stories also to to, to put me to sleep. I, mm-hmm. I, 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 what's beautiful is I, I find that more people are moving away from the pharmaceutical intervention for sleep and moving mm-hmm. more into the natural. Uh, the things that put us to sleep as a kid, bedtime stories, yes. uh, candlelit rooms, a soothing yes. voice. It's like that That doesn't just work for kids. Adults need, I need a bedtime story. I love that. Thank you, know you for saying? lifting that up. And that's, that's what it really is akin to. Someone speaking to you, somebody speaking over you, somebody there to support you um, and guide you into rest and sleep. And once again, you know, these are... These are vulnerable places. And, you know, for people, for every great experience, of course, there's always someone that said they, you know, didn't have the, the best experience or they didn't know what to do or what have you. And I tell people, you know, these practices are wonderful. You just got to find the right teacher. You got to uh, find the right voice, the right tone. And you're set. <laughs> you really are. Absolutely. Now, is there a nutrition component to how you're, managing your chronic pain because we know that certain foods cause inflammation in the body are you yes intentional about what you're eating and not eating i am i am definitely um i i would consider myself um i picked up this term last year i'm more of an intuitive eater which means that i don't necessarily have a limited diet but i do focus on um real food um, meaning, um, no processed foods. So I just try to stick in that area. Um, I don't necessarily eat a lot of red meat and I I'm intuitive. I listen to my body. So if I eat something and the gut's like, no, I make a note of that. 
I really do. As I've gotten older, I've definitely gotten better at it. I know when something doesn't agree with me and as much as I like it, um, I try to just set that aside and, and find something that is going to be more beneficial for my body, something that my body really loves and craves, which, you know, typically in, in my case, um, you know, fruits and vegetables, uh, I do eat chicken and I eat a lot of fish. So that's something that, um, that has definitely been helpful for me when dealing with, uh, chronic pain, nutrition and what you put in your mouth definitely impacts the way that your body responds, especially when it comes to inflammation. So I am aware of that and try to make the best choices that I can with the options that I'm given. Uh, you know, and what's powerful about what you're saying, too, is that you're taking the notes versus opening up a magazine and, and reading about the eight foods that cause inflammation and in in the seven <laughs> foods you should. It's like that's helpful as a, as a guideline. But at the end right. of the day, all of our bodies are different. Right. Right. And so we got to keep notes on ourselves. Go ahead. Yeah, I think a lot of people and I've fallen into this category, too. It's like, I don't want to think about it. Just tell me what to do. Like how many of us have just kind of felt like this? Like, I don't feel like doing the research. Like, just give me an article or give me a plan and I'll just follow it. And the thing is, in the beginning, that's okay. You know, we may need that support. We may need that guidance. But as a as someone, you know, where you where you plan to live long term, there is a level of responsibility that you have to take when it comes to your own health and well-being. And that guide or that magazine article can be a start, but that definitely can't be a, a long term strategy. You do have to listen to your body. You do have to notice how you're eliminating when you're eliminating. You do have to notice when you're dehydrated and and versus when you are hungry, whether you drink something or eat something. You do have to become more intuitive about what your body's needs are because you are the expert on you. I love that. You are the expert on you. That might be the title of this episode. Uh, <laughs> so tell me, uh, speaking of you, you're the CEO of Mind Body Faith. What is Mind Body Faith for the listeners out there? Yeah, Mind Body Faith is a lifestyle and wellness brand that focuses on uh, rooted in faith that focuses on helping people to under, better understand contemplative practices and how they can be relevant for modern times. Uh, I myself am a Christian, and so I also have uh, studied Christian meditation along with other forms of meditation. And so for that community that has also molded and shaped me in the church, I wanted to uh, create this as an offering for those people that, you know, are a little hesitant about meditation and yoga and they're not really sure how it fits into their life. Do they lay down their faith to make this choice or can they do them both? And so that's what it's about. It's about helping them better understand these holistic uh, wellness practices and also contemplative practices that are found in the Christian traditions, such as fasting and meditation and prayer, uh, contemplative practices that we don't necessarily think about outside of church sometimes, but can be a beautiful complement to wellness. That's it in a nutshell. <laughs> well, well, I love it because you talked about uh, fasting, and that's an, another thing that I found helps with uh, 
managing chronic pain. Have you found that also? And how are you using fasting? I have two. That's so interesting that you brought that up. So I have two methods of fasting. So from a wellness standpoint, I have uh, been incorporating intermittent fasting, I would say consciously for the past three years. Um, Prior to that, I was doing it unconsciously. (laughs) Um, And so this has been definitely very helpful for me. And then from a spiritual standpoint, I incorporate fasting um, as part of my faith. Um, and they, they both may feel similar, but they have two different intentions. And so intermittent fasting has definitely been helpful for me. It, it, it flows with the rhythm of uh, how I eat, how I move. Um, and the spiritual fasting is something that definitely allows me the space to get closer to God and also um, allow my body to just rest, allow my body to rest from a spiritual standpoint and also to be filled. Now, when you talk about uh, intuitive eating and yes. <laughs> also intermittent eating, so when I, when I think of intermittent fasting, I, I tend to think about in terms of like I'm going to eat between these hours. Yeah. Uh, and then when I think about intuitive, it's like uh, what, whatever my body needs, whenever my body. Needs well, no. It. Yeah, it's more so intuitive as to what I'm going to eat. So I don't I don't have planned meals like I don't do meal prep. Um, I tried meal prep. It doesn't work for me. <laughs> um, so but but times specific time. So my, my feeding time is uh, usually noon to eight. That's, that's when I eat every day. Um, and so what I mean by intuitive eating is, you know, I may decide one day, I just want to do all juices. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, or I'm going to do juices and a salad, or I'm just going to do water and salad and chicken today. Um, I find that meal prepping just I've tried so many times it does not work. That's where I like to have a little bit more creative reign in, in what I eat. But when I eat is, is actually something that works for my rhythm and my routine. I feel good in knowing, okay, it's nine o'clock. I'm going to eat at noon. I'm drinking my water. You know, um, I'm getting a good walk in. And so that gives me something to look forward to. But to have uh, four or five meals already set out, um, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Uh, And then the last part about regarding chronic pain is I've also found that the way I express myself verbally, uh, because we talked about, you know, moving, uh, getting into the movement modalities uh, in terms of uh, maybe healing and and, and managing trauma and, and dealing with pain. But I also found that there's a verbal dexterity that uh, I had to uh, acquire because, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, things left unsaid can fester in the body and manifest itself uh, as chronic pain. Have you found that also? I have maybe in the past, not so much now. Um, Definitely in the beginning, I did a lot of suppressing of my emotions and and felt that more manifested in in my body, if if that's what you mean. Um, And what has been helpful for me is journaling and actually expressing myself 
um, when, when someone asks me how I'm doing or how are you feeling, taking a moment to pause and breathe and, and, and answer it in a way that's being authentic to me versus giving a response that I think people want to hear. Uh, I love that. Can you, can you give us an example of that? Because I was just talking to my girl about this yesterday. Uh, and like when somebody asks me how I'm feeling or what I'm doing, or what I find is they really are wanting like a story or uh, mm-hmm. an emotion. Mm-hmm. And so like I try to be intentional about instead of saying fine or good, about yes. being like, man, a farmer's market was was busy today. I found some bee pollen, you know, like just mm-hmm. just uh, just expanding on the story versus a fine or good. And then we're we're right back to square one uh, with the conversation. Um, are, are you yeah. are, how are you? Are you like, well, you know, I'm feeling I'm noticing feelings of anger in my stomach and, uh, you know, some frustration in my shoulders. How are you? How, how are you expressing? How are you responding to that typically? Well, not necessarily to that degree, but with those that you know I'm close with, and I know that the question is coming from a genuine space. That the response may be something similar, like you know, today was you know I had a really rough day. You know, I'm having a hard time, uh, you know, being focused, and I'm getting kind of frustrated with myself. I've been procrastinating. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to, you know, work through some things. And, you know, most of the, the people that I speak to are other uh, black women. So they definitely kind of understand, um, especially with the social uprising that's going on. Uh, when I teach my virtual yoga classes there, I always ask, you know, how, how is everyone feeling? And that, that starts the conversation, you know, for a few minutes to allow people to express how they feel for other people to hear it and affirm it. Because this is the thing, when someone asks you something, um, you don't necessarily have to give them a story, but your ability to simply listen and for you to release that and for that person to affirm you and say, yes, I can, I can definitely understand that. Yes, I hear what you're saying. That's, that's all that's needed. And that's that's a release that that allows you to not suppress or to put put that mask back on. Oh, I'm fine. You know, I'm blessed and highly favored. Or, you know, whatever the, you know, your standard phrase is, <laughs> it, it causes you to to dig a little deeper, to be real with yourself, to speak in your truth, and for someone else to hear your truth is amazing. And you can just leave it right there. Hey, I'm. You know, I can remember someone called me and we were supposed to have a meeting and she asked me, she said, how are you doing? I said, well, I just watched, you know, the, the televised, you know, funeral of George Floyd. I'm I'm not really here. I'm, I'm feeling really sad right now. And, you know, we can continue the meeting, but I'm just in a different space. And they honored that. And they were like, thank you for saying that. We're going to make this, you know, quick and to the point. And they they were able to honor that versus me. Oh, I'm fine. And then the meeting just dragging on and on when I know that I was going through and working through emotions at that time. I, I appreciate you, Cheryl, for taking this time to spend with us, even with all the, the audio difficulties in the beginning. <laughs> we got to clear it up. I'm so yes. I'm so grateful uh, that you're here. Please plug all your things. Where can people find you? Yes, uh, people can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Sherelle Moore Tucker. 
Uh, that's Sherelle Moore Tucker all together, no spaces or hyphens. And then by the end of this month, uh, my website will be live, mindbodyfaith.org, where I will be launching with meditation candles and also a meditation challenge that people can join in and learn uh, just the basics of cultivating a, a meditation practice and what, how that can be beneficial for your life. I love it. And all that will be linked in the show notes. And then last question, ask this of all my guests, because always imagine there's one person listening in who may be on the precipice of ending their life. Before you kill yourself, what would you say to them, Cheryl? Have you fulfilled the purpose that God has placed in you? That's the question that I would ask them, because everyone has purpose. Thank you. Don't leave. Don't leave without fulfilling that purpose. Thank you so much, Sherelle Moore Tucker. This has been a pleasure. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Remember, this podcast is not a substitute for you going to get help, for you calling the 1-800-SUICIDE number. Uh, for, for you going to yoga, you got to show up. You <laughs> have to show up to the mat every day. You have to show up to your practice, whether it's yoga, whether it's CrossFit, whether it's going for a walk. It requires a daily practice, uh, whether it's one day you could do power, the next day you do yin, the next day you do yoga nidra. It doesn't have to be the same every day. It's about listening to your body and asking it what it needs. It's like a nine-year-old. What do you want? What do you want to, what do you want to, how do you want to move today? And, and what do you want to eat right now? Uh, you call the 1-800-273-TALK number. All these numbers, once again, are always listed in the show notes. The international numbers, you can text. There's a Trevor Project for LGBTQ. There's all, all the numbers, all the groups are listed in the show notes. You can always go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching with yours truly. Let's get to tomorrow together. Thank you so much, Sherelle. Thank you. Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. Today's episode is brought to us by BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. It's exactly what you would write in the sand if you were stuck on an island, right? H-E-L-P, help. And then you see the helicopter go by, you start waving. BetterHelp is that helicopter. They are the ones that will save you. They will pick you up. Is there something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? I know for me, it's been a sense of feeling inadequate or uh, afraid of expressing my needs. Because like, if I express my needs and they say no and they find out what I really want, they're going to leave and I'll be abandoned and I have to start all over again. And, and also just comparing myself to other people. Every time I compare, I get on social media and I see the, the amazing life that other people are living. It just makes me want to just curl up and stop doing everything that I'm doing. But BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. Now, I understand when you are in uh, despair and, and you are spiraling, you just feel like, last thing I want to do was talk to anybody, but it's the best thing to do. When, when I was in trouble, when I couldn't see my way through the, the, the thickness, through the darkness, it was talking to someone, especially a professional therapist that guided me through. I still have a therapist. I have 
not only my own therapist, but I have a couple's therapist. So me and my girlfriend have a therapist. Like therapy, talking to someone is so beneficial, but it doesn't feel like it when you're in the midst of it. Now, I want you to remember that is not a crisis line. Better help is not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. BetterHelp is not the right solution for you if you have thoughts of hurting yourself or others. There is a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses, plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room with, as with traditional therapy. You could kick back at the crib at your house in Sukasa and get your therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they can make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling. And here's the kicker, ladies and gents. Financial aid is available. That's right. You, ain't, you don't have to go to college. College ain't the only one doling out financial aid. BetterHelp has financial aid because BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily, right? Check them out. Visit BetterHelp.com forward slash Leo. That's right. I got a slash before the name. Go to BetterHelp.com forward slash Leo. That's better H-E-L-P and join the over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. Special offer. Here's a special offer. Check this out. This just, just, just came in just now. Special offer for my Before You Kill Yourself listeners. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com forward slash Leo. That's right. Just for tuning in, just for being a, a friend, uh, an ally, uh, just somebody who I could just, who I enjoy spending my time with, 10% off your first month if you go to betterhelp.com forward slash Leo. Let's go. <laughs> 